0: If you're dreaming, God is speaking. And what better way to learn to interpret your dreams than the Breathing Underwater membership? This is a monthly subscription mentorship where you will have access to monthly live Zoom calls where we do live interpretations and learn to hone our skills together in community. You will also have access to a private Facebook group with weekly video teachings, and there's more. You will also have a one-on-one 60-minute coaching call with me every month, and all for less than the price of a single coaching session, because it is my heart to walk alongside you and see you grow into all that God has for you. So sign up today, join the community. We would love to see you there. We were designed to hunger for the deep things of God, to thrive on faith and wonder, to seek out divine wisdom that defies human logic. We were designed to unlock the mysteries of God. This is Breathing Underwater. 37 in the house, as well as Margot. That's me. I'm the host of the show. This is a really cool episode. I have just been really astounded at God's beautiful, perfect timing, as always, over these last 24 hours. I have been preparing and editing this interview with my friend Janine, and just in that time frame have I been getting more and deeper understanding and interpretation for her dreams and so has she and we've actually seen God start to move in the natural in her life in revealing even steps to take and deeper interpretation than what we got during this interview. So it's so beautiful to see how he aligns things in the timing. She and I actually recorded this interview a couple months ago, and one of the things I love about it, as you will see, is that we go through four to six of her dreams, and we don't have them all flushed out. We don't have a nice bow put on the end, uh, of perfect interpretation of all of the dreams. We're sitting in a lot of mystery and have a general idea of what God is saying, but really just holding everything lightly, like, what is that actually going to look like? And here, in this very time frame that I'm getting ready to post this, months after we recorded it, finally, some ground is moving and some doors are opening and I just cannot believe it. I just can't wait to talk more about it. And then, the cherry on top was when I looked up the meaning of the number 37 today. The number 37 means inheritance and this is one of the most beautiful, deep, from the heart of God, words and definitions ever. And not just that, but it also so happens to weave itself, this concept and this word through the interview today, which it just always seems to happen that way. I love to brag on God and the way that he orchestrates things and his perfect, perfect timing. It's just beautiful. And this concept of inheritance comes straight from his heart, like I said, and this is really what we receive from the father that we receive simply because we are his family. You don't receive an inheritance because you worked for it. You can't earn it and you can't lose it. You have an inheritance because simply that you are a son or a daughter. And that is how the kingdom works. And that is absolutely how God works. And you are going to see that concept and that word brought up multiple times today in this interview. I'm so looking forward to you enjoying this with me and delighting in just God's revelation. So let's listen together. Here are Janine's dreams. I have Janine Hoyt here today. The infamous Janine Hoyt. (laughs) She's (laughs) laughing. She's like, give me a break. Janine Hoyt is famous in my book. She and I met in ministry school five years ago? Mm, Four. Four years ago, 2019. Yes, Almost five girlfriends. Yes, it is. I mean, is. this Yikes. fall will be five. Yes. <laughs> right?
1: No four. no, four. Four. 2019. Oh, we're hell, at 2023.
0: So longer than that. We've lived a lot of life. We have. In that period of time. Janine is a very prophetic, discerning, intercessing badass. Nice. I said intercessing. I don't even think that's actually the word. Intercessoring. Badass intercessor. <laughs> Sometimes people say intercessing, and I always, I always think I don't think that's right. And I just did it. Badass intercessor who dreams a lot and has a really real, cool, raw relationship with God and perspective on spirituality. I would say in Christianity,
1: I would say I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. My, my, my biggest prayer and heart's desire really is for the Lord to remove all religiousness out of me. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes maybe it's a little too raw, but that's really, that's kind of my life end goal. Mm. You don't
0: feel religious to me at all. It's interesting that you say that.
1: Yeah, I think I've been mindful of it for a long time Mm -hmm. and um, have tried to steer away from it As much as possible. I I think I'm just very aware of it. Mm -hmm. And when it's, when it turns up in me, then I'm acutely aware of it. Yeah, yep, yep, yep.
0: So, yeah. That's really true. I feel like season to season, I'm even getting more and more deliverance from that kind of mindset. Like not even really knowing it's there until it's plain in front of you. And you're like, "Oof, I was thinking kind of religiously about that. Exactly. Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Her accent is so lovely. Can you tell us where, what is your accent? Where are you from? I'm not entirely sure what my accent is
1: (laughs) (laughs) anymore. (laughs) But um, I was born in Southern Africa. So born in Zimbabwe, Mm. raised in South Africa, spent time in high school in New Zealand, back to South Africa, then back to New Zealand, then back to South Africa. And then when I was 23, I moved to the US, but my parents are British. Mm. So both of my parents are born in England. So I'm an English-speaking South African who has been living more than half of her life now in the u.s wow so a little bit of kiwi in you because yeah well (laughs) high school kiwi yeah high school kiwi yeah
0: do your parents have like british accents yes full on they didn't shift or get any of the south African. no i would
1: say if people met them they would say they're probably from south africa but because they've they've been in southern africa since they were nine respectively so wow yeah
0: were they missionaries
1: no, colonials. <laughs> wow. No, so I, their parents moved to Zimbabwe when they were both, I would say under 10 years old, both, I think. My mom would probably correct me on that. But because of work. Wow. Yeah. Work-related so opportunities. What, okay, all right. From, from England. From England. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I think my dad, again, mom, can, you can correct me, but I think my dad was born in Liverpool and my mom in London. Mm. Mm. yeah do you actually
0: have actually have citizenship
1: mm-hmm, i do i have triple places. <gasps> <gasps> don't tell the government but uh, i <laughs> so i have south african but i have not renewed that passport but i do have my english passport and, and my American. u.s yeah i live
0: living the dream right there
1: i know lucky me Woo.
0: <laughs> well janine is mostly here at my begging Because I just know you have so much to offer. I'm going to, I mean, I want to pull on you in every possible way, but I also want to interpret some dreams. So (laughs) my anticipation is we're going to talk about, actually, I don't know what yet, your dreams, maybe discernment, maybe in our session, maybe that'll be another session down the road. Mm -hmm. But Janine is full of life experience and wisdom and tenacity. And so do you want to tell me a little bit about your dream history? Like, were you a dreamer your whole life? Did it just kind of start? What's your relationship like with your dreams? Be as real as you want to.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, I started dreaming when I was young. I would say that my first God dream I had, wish I could remember my age, but I'm guessing I was around eight or nine. Oh. Um, I had a dream that was very clear. I can still pull it up oh. in my memory to this day. So I knew it was the Lord. And I had a dream that I was on this moonscape, and there were these giants all over the moonscape. I, was ba- I think I was on the moon, but there were these huge giants. And I was tiny, tiny, tiny fighting this giant. Wow. And feeling like I was losing. I mean, I'm t- this is like something out of a science fiction movie. Feeling like I was losing this battle. And then all of a sudden, I looked down at my feet, and I was wearing boots, and I had silver spurs on my boots. And I started kicking at this giant with my silver spurs, and... I was able to fight the battle and not lose that way. And then about, I would say about a year later, again, I'm guessing the timeline, I had the exact same dream. Interesting. Um, Except in this dream, I was in the middle of the battle and remembered that I had spurs on my boots. Ha! And. Same giants? Exactly the same landscape and scene. Interesting. The only difference was I remembered what i could use mm. as a weapon and so it was a, just a faster you know victory victory did
0: you actually yeah. see the victory in the dream
1: um no i don't know it, i i just knew that i could i knew that i had a weapon to fight with yeah so spurs i was young
0: and spurs feel like such an american western thing to me <laughs> it's true. i haven't
1: right? thought about that like yeah like
0: random you were in south africa at that time yeah
1: point. yeah and I came to the U.S. on vacation with my family when I was 11. We we went to the East Coast in, like, the middle of perfect fall. Uh. So we went to New England and the Smoky Mountains and Disney World for eight days. And I fell in love with the U.S. Mm. And it felt like it had been imprinted on my heart as a place I wanted to return to really strongly. Um the U.S. kind of pulled and felt mm-hmm. like home to me, which mm-hmm. was something I didn't understand mm-hmm. until I came to visit here in 1996, and I, I just remember feeling, I can't leave. I have to, I have to stay here. I have to mm-hmm. stay. And I, I realized at that point that God had Im- imprinted that on my heart at the age of 11 and that I was called to the United States from when Africa. When <laughs> you came in
0: 96, were you in California?
1: Yes. Okay. Southern California, mm. Santa Barbara, which I at, honestly at the time only thought was a soap opera. I had no idea it was a real place.
0: <laughs> well, it feels <laughs> a little bit surreal being there. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. And the weather.
1: Yes. But I'm from Cape Town. So if you've been to Cape Town, then you know that. I mean, Cape Town is just an extraordinarily beautiful city. Ah. And Santa Barbara is that on a smaller, less wild mm. version. Mm. So it felt like home. It was medi- like Mediterranean climate, mountains, ocean felt like home okay that's what Cape Town's like yeah I did not know that but but, but bigger and more yeah more wild and beautiful mm. yeah <laughs>
0: okay so that was your beginning the beginning of your dream journey what has it been like since
1: then well then I don't remember much about dreams as a teenager I think the next phase that I went Um, into was in my early 20s when I actually started experiencing demonic attacks in my Mm -hmm. dreams for a long time very very long time for years and years Um, it strangely enough started in a hotel in Italy I was on a trip with my dad I remember exactly where it started Um, I was on a on a my dad was on a business trip he asked if I wanted to go with him of course, I wanted to go with him. Mm-hmm. And um, he went to a business meeting and I was in a hotel room and I felt like he had come back into the room and was trying to shake me awake with my elbow and I couldn't wake up out of it. And finally, I just yelled and woke up out of this kind of weird middle, you know, between awake and sleep experience. And he wasn't in the room. Wow. And that was the beginning of the years of honestly, like just early morning torment um, and it got it got worse and worse over the years um I got to the point where I didn't want to go to sleep when I was first married i didn't want to go to sleep anymore. It was wow. just uh, there was so much anxiety around what I was going to anticipate during the night and It got to the point where um this is going to be sound strange, but when my husband would leave for work in the morning, I would hear something come into the room and it would actually crawl up on my body and starts to be really, really heavy on my chest. And after a while, I I got a lot of prayer. A lot of people prayed, and it just broke one day. It just broke. It just stopped. And um, so I have a lot of empathy for people who have a wild, vivid dream life Mm -hmm. who are experiencing, especially as young people, the attack on their dream life early on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, I went into a a phase of spiritual warfare dreams where the Lord showed me and taught me. Stuff about intercession and spiritual warfare, and then, then you, uh, there's a lot. So then, uh, just different phases of dreams, and now I'm in a another phase of how he's speaking to me at night. <laughs> what would
0: you call the, this phase?
1: <laughs> um, well, the dreams are sporadic, not that often. Oh boy, I would say so. I went through a phase where the Lord was showing me the strategy of the enemy in mm-hmm. my dreams. Mm-hmm. Um it was a really interesting phase for me because I felt like he, he showed me the enemy's cards. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to look at what was happening in our life which was a w- lot of warfare and God in his kindness had shown me what the enemy was planning and and what he was doing and I was able to look at it and go okay we're not crazy yeah. we're not we're not doing things that are resulting in what's happening in our lives. This is actual warfare because the Lord has shown me what the enemy has has planned. And so that was a, a season. And now I'm just, now my dreams are, um, uh, they're just, they're different. For example, two nights ago, I had a dream that is uh, uh, honestly a common theme about our dreams right now is the financial stuff. Yeah. So, and including the dreams I want to share on the podcast today, because I still don't have full understanding of everything that, um, has come out of these little dreams that I want to share, but yes, I don't know, mm. but I haven't even thought about the fact that I dream kind of in phases yeah, until cool. I'm talking now and I'm an external processor. So this is what you'll hear on this Perfect. podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonus
0: for me. I'm like, I just want you to talk. I don't okay. even care what comes out. Okay. Because I'm, I'm all ears in case you haven't noticed. Yeah. All ears and eyes. <laughs> okay. So I'm seeing a theme. I mean, even from your first dream when you were eight, that there's, that you have authority and God has called you to be a warrior in the spirit to a degree, yeah. that you are called to face giants. And then having these attacks on your on your dream life is so obvious yes. that this is a place of gifting and a place of authority, which doesn't make it okay. It actually just pisses me off, but mm-hmm. but that is an indicator. Mm-hmm. And then of course you go into this phase of warfare dreams and then this phase of God actually pulling back the veil to show you what's happening the warfare in your life
1: in your waking life mm-hmm. yeah that's that's true like a, a lot of another phase of dreams i had was uh, where i was being attacked by snakes and in, in my dreams and this is this is where i find the lord to be so kind is that even though it wasn't okay and i would wake up screaming there's been many many nights when my, my husband has had to grab me and shake me awake because he can hear he can hear like as i start to yell and often yell myself awake but i found that i'm instantly aware that it was a dream and that there was some meaning to it. And God was showing me what the enemy was doing. And I was able to immediately calm down and just go back to sleep. Mm. There's only been a few that have really like shook me. And so, um, I think that for me, it's not okay, but it builds a muscle that I've needed. Um, and it's built an internal understanding or spiritual understanding of, of warfare and the the spiritual realm and then also um i i i i, I take i take them seriously but I'm, gr- I'm i'm glad that the lord is showing me what the enemy is doing mm. so it just kind of takes the bite out of it mm.
0: do you feel like you get strategy when he shows you or it's more just to validate you're not doing anything wrong this is what's going on just hold on type of thing
1: or does he actually give you something to do I think it's more of an understanding, mm-hmm. less of a to do. Mm-hmm. I'm always asking, is there something I need to do? Yeah, I'm a I'm a doer, and one of the I think one of the ways that religion has had to work mm-hmm. its way out of me is believing that I have to perform yeah. in order to be yeah. loved by the Lord. And so that there's not been a, a whole lot of you know this is what you need to do. It's just more of an, a broad understanding, yeah, of what's going on in the in the spiritual realm. Yep. Yeah.
0: And I find, I don't know if you feel this is true, I find oftentimes when something is named for me, a, a lot of the power is gone against me. Yeah. Like I'll be experiencing something. And I'll actually be able to name it or see what it is. It doesn't mean that it totally ends, but I feel like I have an upper hand in a different way because I see it, quote, exactly. unquote, now.
1: Yeah. Does that feel like that to you? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel like that. And it, it, it takes the bite out of what the, the enemy's plans are for me. And it also, again, pulls me back into the kindness of the Lord. Yeah, he, he gave me these dreams for a reason. That's right. And um, so I have to lean on that. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I don't know if we've talked about this, but I have a lot of those kinds of dreams, too. The kind that, you know, would wake you up. Most people would be like, ah, like I don't want, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. And there's just kind of a grace to wake up and not be afraid, even though it was intense in the dream to wake up and be like, okay, we're all right. Or a lot of experience of actually deliverance in the middle of the night. Like I'll feel a spirit or something come into the room and I'll wake myself up rebuking it Hmm. or yeah, yeah. A lot of that actually Mm -hmm. something or someone showing up in my dream. It feels kind of dark I look at it and then it manifests into a demon and then I take authority over it. I can feel it in my room and then it dissipates and I'll yes. like wake myself up rebuking it in my sleep. That happens a lot. Yeah. It's kind of that m- interesting space of like, hey, did something demonic enter my room and I was discerning it in mm-hmm. my dream mm-hmm. or was God actually showing me what's up against me in my life? I think it's kind of a combo of both. Yes. And it manifested in my dream, but it actually I physically
1: felt it. Yes. Right. Absolutely. It's like they meld together the worlds kind of meld yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. I had a dream where a snake grabbed my throat and I I woke up grabbing and hitting my throat trying <laughs> to get it. It was so so real and even like in the ne- uh, during the next day as I was telling people about it I could feel it like I felt like I wanted to protect my throat. <laughs> yeah. Wow. As I was talking about the dream because wow. it was so real. Did yeah. God give you revelation for that one? Um in pieces. So I always find that my dreams have multiple layers mm-hmm. and some of the layers are for now and then some of them unfold as time goes. Like I've had dreams 15 years ago that I'm still layering back um because as time goes by, there's revelation yep. that comes, you know. Yeah. And that that particular one was this is what this is what was interesting about that particular one. There was a whole scene beforehand that I don't think is relevant. Um, right now. But what was interesting about this snake is I remember seeing it grabbing. Basically, it was like grabbing my vocal box. But it was all head and a tiny tail. It was the first time in a dream that I've seen a snake basically look bu- look like a, a really big headed tadpole. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it grabbed my throat. And I could tell it was trying to grab my voice. But it was all head and no body. Interesting. And I was like, "You, that's a lot of bark and a little bite. Whoa. It was it was an interesting perspective that I hadn't had before. Interesting.
0: Were you having something in your life at that moment that that explained? Like, oh, I am experiencing this kind of resistance to my voice or anything that would make that make sense?
1: Yes. I think I had that dream when I was working on a gubernatorial campaign. So I was working for a woman who was running for governor in California and... um I think there was so part of that dream was I was with a gentleman or a a guy who um is pretty well known, so I'm not gonna mention his name, but in the dream he turned and looked at me and he said, Um, I am going to audition for the lead male role in Little Woman. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, Well, firstly, there really isn't a lead male role. It's a a a book about women and um, as as he said that I turned and the snake came out of nowhere. So I knew it, w- it was about like a usurping of a, a female voice. And so that was... And so I, I still go back to that dream. I encourage women to speak up when I feel like they need to speak up. Because oftentimes when I'm in conversation with women who i i know have been in a battle but they have something to share that dream will come to mind interesting and i'm like oh i think i know what's going on with you and you need to hear this and we need we need your voice yeah so be brave (laughs) yeah (laughs) that snake is all head i was just about
0: to go down like two different rabbit trails but i'm coming back to the dreams okay okay do you feel ready for these three dreams the ones to you share today? them? Mm-hmm. yes I haven't heard them, I just know there's three yes i haven't oh, they're short that's great.
1: and what's interesting about these three dreams is that they have a thread mm. that kind of binds them together, which and is I had, why you chose them which is why I chose them yeah they're all v- they all have a very common um denominator, and so mm-hmm. I feel like the Lord gave them to me at certain times, um and I'm trying to figure out really honestly what they mean I don't really know
0: okay do you have the dates and everything of when you had them
1: I don't have the exact dates I just know that they were all last year so 2022 okay I would say okay and maybe spaced a month or so apart okay yeah I'm ready so I know you like a title. I do for a dream, yeah. and I wasn't sure what to call this. And I, I think that as we talk, we can rename it if needed. But okay. if, if you know, if you want a title, what came to me was exponential return. Okay. And I had these three dreams, like I said in 2022. In the first dream, I walked into. Is that the
0: title just for the first dream? No,
1: for all three. Oh, they have the same title. They have the same title. This is why there's there's such a common thread Got through it. them. Got it. So um, in the first dream, I walked into Sean and Cherie Bowles' home. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I don't know them, but I I, I was at their home for a reason. I'm not sure what it was. And what I remember about the dream is that Cherie was incredibly warm and hospitable Mm -hmm. and friendly and inviting. Like that was so real in the dream. And she looked at me and she said, I am going to give you a check for $3,000. Mm. And it was like a promised check, but you handed it to me. And then I think I went s- to go take a shower, um, which I've had in dreams before, especially with prophetic people. Went to go take a shower, came back out, was getting ready to leave, and Sean handed me a check. And I looked down and the check was for $9,000. Mm. So it was three times the amount that had been promised. Mm. And I, I, I think I thanked them, and I left, and that was the end of the dream. You showered at their house? I showered at their house, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and then the second dream, which I had a few months later, I was working with Chris Vallotton, who is a prophet in the church that we belong to, and he, him and I were digging under this structure outside, and we were pulling out trash under this structure. But as we were pulling out these little bits of trash, I kept on finding raw chunks of silver mm-hmm. and handing them to him. And he mm-hmm. said, um, oh, that's great, or something like that. And then he goes, okay, I think we've got all the trash. And I'm like, no, there's more silver. Like, look at this, there's more silver. And I would pull it out and hand it to him. And he would go, okay, great. Um, okay, I think we've got all the trash. And again, I'd be, <laughs> no, look, there's more chunks of silver. And just, I just kept on handing him these little pieces of raw silver and um, at the end I went to an outside tent where they were handing out our paychecks it was a job that I was on and so I was expecting a paycheck for two hours of work which would have come to $40 and so I was expecting to be handed a check of $40 and the person who was writing the check handed me a check for $4,000 and uh, again I was of course grateful and blown away at the amount that had been given to me instead of the forty dollars and that was the end of the dream so the structure that you guys were digging
0: under was located in a place where you were working in the dream
1: i was working it was outside it was in the dirt that was a part of your job was what you were you're doing, you doing i was doing. hired by chris to okay work alongside him and pull out little pieces of trash from this weird little structure it was low to the ground we were underneath it and we were just working in the dirt huh. <laughs> Was it a finished structure? No. It, it it looked like it was probably made of old pallets or something. Yeah, it was that's low. what I'm picturing. That's yeah. so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the third dream was a few months later. And this time the woman who um, I was friends with, who was running for governor, was in the dream. Mm. And I had the dream at, after the, the end of the um, election. And I dreamt that I had made her a gift bag filled with little gifts that I had thoughtfully chosen out knowing her, and I had stuffed tissue paper in it, like you would, but it was multiple gifts in this bag, and I think I put it in the front seat of her car, and I said, you know, I've got a gift for you here, it's on the front seat of your car. And she turned and looked at me, and she goes, oh, I've got a gift for you too, go to the front seat of your car. And I went to the front seat of my car, and there was a check that she had left on the front seat, and with zeros just going off the edge of the page of the check. And I think, and I think, in the dream, I remember it being like five trillion dollars, <laughs> something unrealistic. But she looked at me and she goes, "This is a check for one million dollars, and it's yours." And that was the end of the dream. <laughs> so you can see how these three dreams all have this exponential return for something. Yeah, I just don't know what it is really, yeah. and they are prominent people in my life, mm-hmm. or I mean, I you know. As as people who have influenced me or given me opportunities. Yep. So
0: well an interesting the Sean Bowles, the Sean and Sherry Bowles moment. Yeah. I I don't Sherry or Cherie. I'm not sure. Okay. Um that moment and the Chris Valentin moment seem especially related because we're talking about prophets. Yes. Right? Yes. And then the gal who's running for governor, would you
1: say she has a spiritual office? Out of the fivefold, mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, it would be apostolic, I right. imagine. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. But she's a she's a businesswoman who got called into government very unexpectedly. Okay. Um, very well, you know, she's done very well as a businesswoman.
0: Is Sean Bull's history is his background business?
1: I'm not sure. I Chris know. Is. I know Chris's is. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I know. I know Sean was involved in something and then felt called to the entertainment industry and to minister to people in the entertainment industry. So, But you're right. Chris's background is business. I'm looking it up. Yeah, look it up.
0: But I do feel a business connection, actually. Mm -hmm. Maybe even a business connection, a thread between all three. And this might be because of the masterpiece work of art dream Mm. that
1: you had also told me about. Mm Mm-hmm. That somebody had about me. Yes. Just recently, our housemate, Lindsay, had this about me. Yeah,
0: do you mind sharing that dream too? That was really related. This is why it feels
1: like this is a season of interesting. Well, honestly, my husband for the last, how long have I known him? But for the last 25 years has received countless prophetic words about finances, Mm -hmm. um, including a word that was funny, It was he was called out in the crowd by Sean Bowles, except he wasn't there, I was there, and so I stood up on his behalf, and Sean prophesied, resources coming, not just resources, but finances. That was included in part of the word. So. But the dream that Lindsay had about me was that I had inherited or been given a painting worth $730 million. But I was working, still working really hard, and I was trying to put justice through school. So justice is the name of my oldest daughter. But when I processed this with Lindsay, she was like, I wonder if you're trying to put justice through school. Justice, the noun, you know, through school. But she looked at me in the dream, and she goes, Janine, why are you working so hard to just sell the painting? Mm -hmm. And that was the end of the dream. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: I mean... Holy Spirit, show us if there's more. I I, I guess it feels kind of plain to me. So I'm like, is there something deeper here? Yeah. But so the silver part with Mm -hmm. Chris, what does the silver mean to you?
1: I felt like I was seeing value in something Mm. that wasn't obvious Mm -hmm. So we were searching for trash, but I was pulling out silver. The treasure, Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I- you know, I don't know if it's just about seeing the treasure in people or because Chris represents the prophetic so strongly that there's something on that as well. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that he was down in the dirt with me mm. going through it. We were working together. Yeah. Um, and also it wasn't ref- it wasn't like a silver bracelet or a silver brooch. It was chunks mm. of raw silver that had probably, you know, it's been buried. It had been buried. Yeah, it rough edged, and but it was yeah. obviously silver. Because you were the Chris
0: Valatin, it really felt revelatory yeah. what you were finding under there. Yeah, and and uh, but I also have this angle with redemption and something that like you're able to bring about. There's obviously a connection to the land, right? Mm-hmm. Which you have in real life, mm-hmm. would you say? Yes. Definitely. That's true. we are yeah. even working on a project right now where you're actually, are you digging and making space or you're just renovating?
1: Renovating and improving. Okay. Land. Okay, yeah. structures. Yeah, and land structures. Well, yeah. uh, the land itself is, there's two and a, about two and a half acres of structures on land that we're mm-hmm. renovating and beautifying again. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I guess my sense from those three really connects to the one with the the seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar painting you inherited mm-hmm. as well. Seven
1: hundred oh, and thirty thousand. Very and Lindsay said seven hundred and fifty to me firstly. Then she goes, No, it was very specific. It was seven hundred and thirty thousand. Seven hundred and thirty. Yeah. Okay.
0: I just wonder if God is showing that there's gonna be a return for the prophetic insight for the way that you see in the spirit for the years of collecting and protecting revelation the way that you've done. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a lot of return on it yet. There's been things that have helped steer in seasons and probably measures of fulfillment. But from what I understand, a lot that's unfulfilled.
1: Yes. Very, very much so
0: stuff. That's still like, what was this? What did this even mean? Though you've been stewarding the Intel You've yes. been stewarding the revelation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're, you're writing it down. You're seeing it. You're recognizing that it's revelation. You're pulling it out. To some person, it would be easy to be like, oh, that's just trash. That's nothing. But you see it. You see what's actually there. And just knowing you, mm. I, I know that that's true about mm. you. I wonder if God is really talking about a return on this kind of investment in your prophetic gift. It was Sean Bowles, It was Chris. And then it was this woman who wasn't prophetic, but in business, which to me connected to you working really hard and it's like sell the painting. I thought, what if there's some sort of call to business for you to be utilizing your prophetic gift in this revelation in business?
1: Mm hmm. Wouldn't be the first time I've received that kind of a word. Yeah. 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 I just don't know what it is. Yeah. What was interesting about the third dream with this woman who was running for governor is that I didn't go in to work on a campaign. Mm-hmm. We were friends. Mm-hmm. She asked me to join her, mm-hmm. to drive her around California. I said yes, and I got pulled in to an experience that I was completely unprepared for, mm-hmm. and I, I was forced to grow really fast, to grow in capacity, to grow in... Um, uh, it, it was, it was, it was an insane season and it wasn't, it w- it felt like an, a- it was, it didn't feel like it was an absolute appointment from the Lord to go and do this. Mm-hmm. And I could never have learned from a book what I learned from having my feet on the ground. And the reason, one of the reasons I was there was I was there to see what was happening spiritually, spiritually. over our state yep. as uh, so, so I had eyes to see and ears to hear what was going on. And I, I always say this. I say, I saw things and heard things that I cannot unsee and unhear. Mm-hmm. We just learned so much in such a short amount of time. And for me, a lot of it was learning about the spiritual world over California. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just a a, a, a a government thing. It was definitely a big picture thing.
0: It's so interesting because... I'm actually going to look up what the seal of California is because I don't actually know. But I have an image in my head (laughs) that feels like the seal of California to me, and it's the same image that I had for the silver.
1: Oh, interesting. I know,
0: I know. I'm like, wait a second. Are
1: these connected? Oh. Okay. This reminds me, I took a photo of the seal right outside the Capitol building, and Mm. I'm going to look it up while you're doing that. Because it was I fascinating. I'm to looking me. at it, and I can't. No. I can't
0: say that I can totally tell what's happening there. There's <laughs> definitely a man in the background, um, doing work on the land. Like he's got a shovel and a, he's digging a hole. And then, oh, interesting! It says Eureka at the top of the seal. Isn't that funny? You don't make that makes me think of Revelation.
1: Re- yes.
0: And is that a woman or is that a man? It looks like a woman to me.
1: I'm not sure which one you're looking at. A woman
0: kind of like Roman looking soldier with that headpiece on. And she's got like a scepter type moment. Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, that's the great seal. I'm looking at a different seal that I took that I thought was... But you can keep on going with that one. But I'm going to show you this and you'll... Oh my gosh, you'll find it fascinating. I want to see that one too. Okay, this is a seal that I... Saw on the ground outside the Capitol building, and I need to look it up again. But one of the pictures on the seal is of an eagle holding a snake in its mouth. <laughs> 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 That's just <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Which is you? Yes. Uh-huh. So so many times, I and mean, it's just been so much mm. on the whole eagle and snake thing. And then another one is of the building of a bu- of a building with two angels, huge angels. This like. 20 stories high. This is on the seal. On this seal. And another one is of two birds. And another one is of an oak tree. I'm just going to hand it to you. You can take a look wow. at it. Wow. Just go back, through go, go back through those three photos. And I remember looking at that and going, are you kidding me? The prophetic meaning of those photos. Is out of the world. On a world. stamp on the ground outside of the, the Capitol building of California. Wow. Is heavy. Weighty.
0: The oak tree. Give me a break.
1: Yes. I mean, just these all feel very scriptural. Very scriptural, and they also, they also line up to visions I've had for that building. I had that, I had a vision during a prayer meeting. It was a, during a pr- governmental prayer meeting that Chris Vallotton started on Thursday mornings, praying for the city and the state. And I had a picture of the Capitol building as though it was an oak tree, and so it had roots coming out of it that reached all the way down through that moor and all the way down to the Sacramento River, and its roots were dipping into the Sacramento River. Mm. And, and it was as though the capital had become a tree. Mm. And so when I saw that, I was like, "Ah, oh, interesting." I've already
0: seen that. I've already
1: seen that.
0: So here, this here's this kind of triune connection between the prophetic business. In government. Yes. In California. Yes. All three of those people are California people.
1: Yes. Wow, this is really tying things together. If I could just do it. Tell you about so many dreams I've had, it would actually start tying itself together. And I'm, I'm seeing so I had this wild dream on the campaign where I was hiking in a mountain. This is gonna be interesting. I was hiking in a mountain with some friends. I turned to the side and in the the rocks was a old green mining gate. Wow. And I knew immediately in my spirit, I knew if I go through that gate, I'm going to find the elevator that takes me to the top of the mountain, not a mountain, but the mountain. And I was, I just thought, okay. So I opened the gate. My friends kept on hiking and I went through this gate into the rock and came out in this old elevator foyer You remember those old foyers that smell like old stale cigarette smoke Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're all cement and Mm -hmm. stone and they have the old elevators like on four, you know, four elevators on two different sides. I remember standing there and thinking, these are not the elevators and walking outside and finding myself on the streets of San Francisco. And this group of women walked by dressed in white, basically white robes, but they were more like togas. And they had big gold <laughs> sashes around their waists and they had the big gold seeds that, like, that looked like the Chanel logo on the front. Mm-hmm. And they were y- yelling and raising their hands in the air and screaming, hallelujah, glory, etc. But it just felt very unauthentic and performancey. So I remember going, that's not it, and kept on walking. And I just knew where I was going. And I just walked up into this, outside mezzanine area in San Francisco, walked up the stairs, these all these different layers, knowing that I was walking towards this elevator, I got to the base of this elevator and there were about 15 dead bodies at the Mm. base of this elevator. And I knew immediately in my spirit that they had gone up the elevator, could not handle the elevation and the altitude, had died and were brought back down again and were laid out. Mm. And I didn't even think about it. I just got on the elevator and went up. Well, during the campaign, in real life, I was flying into San Francisco to pick my parents up from the airport and to drive them back up to Northern California where we live. But I was coming off a week from the campaign. And as I was flying into San Francisco, I was going to get a rental car. I felt the Lord, oh, this is this is to just to backtrack. We had a meeting. We had a meeting with somebody during the campaign in San Francisco. And um, as we were driving away from the meeting, I, we drove by this place that had you been in my dream. It. I recognized it immediately. I I saw. I remember turning to the left and seeing this outdoor park that was all these different layers. And I I remember saying to Jenny Ray, "Where are we?" And she goes, "We're on Mission Street." Hmm. And I said, "What is the history of Mission Street?" And she said, "It was the street that divided." Basically, the poorer area of San Francisco to the wealthier financial district. Mm-hmm. and I remember thinking that is so interesting, but I don't understand. Wow. So anyway, fast forward, I'm coming back on this flight, and I felt the Lord impress upon me that if I got this rental car, because I had a couple of hours to kill, that I was to go and find this place again, which I did. So I drove back. I just started at one end of Mission Street and drove until I came to it, mm-hmm. found... um. You know, a, a parking structure parked and went and walked around mm-hmm. this outdoor structure. And it was one of the few times in my life where I felt this internal shaking while I was there. I felt this internal shuddering the whole time. And I knew that Lord was showing me something. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was encountering and participating in something. But I could not figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. It just felt like accelerated revelation. And I remember sitting at the top... Oh, The first thing I noticed is as I came off the elevator and st- and stepped into this area, there was nobody around and it was being power washed. There was a man out there just power washing all the cement out there. And I remember feeling that like that was really relevant. And then I went and stood at the top and got a piece of pizza from a little restaurant up there and started looking around. And we were in the heart of the city. And I remember seeing like a huge um insurance agency on one t- on one side, the the Museum of like modern art oh, on I one side. You, mm-hmm. y- you know where I was mm-hmm. businesses, skyscrapers, yeah. um an old church in front of me. And I remember yeah. feeling this multifaceted sense of something. Mm. And I felt like I was in the middle of government obviously because I was working on this campaign, but also business. All these facets of life. And um
0: Interesting, there was an art museum that you just named
1: too. And an art museum right there. And so just, I just remember feeling this deep At shuddering and going, what are you doing, Lord? And then after after that, the next job I had after that campaign is working for a businessman in town. <laughs> and I've been in business for the last six months, mm-hmm. you know, watching watching mm. him and helping him. And so, um yeah. But that dream was powerful, and th- that's one of those dreams where there has been layer upon layer of revelation mm-hmm. in that dream.
0: The dream where you... The elevator. Saw the gate, yeah. went through the gate, ended up in San Francisco. Yeah. Got on the elevator, went up. Yeah. Where did you
1: end up when you went up? And the dream ended with me gla- getting onto the elevator. Do you feel like you know in actual life where you went? I have no idea. This is what... This is the anticipation of life right now. It is so is. I have Yes, I have no idea. But it felt like the very th- it it felt like the top of a area of influence mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting about the dream was I knew that I was going to get to this one elevator but there was three things that I passed. One was the old. It was it was the old elevators represented things that worked in their time right. but were no longer relevant. Yep. The second one was Inauthentic performance in the church, and the third one was people who were unprepared to go to a specific height mm-hmm. and I think of people who have been given a lot of favor very quickly, yep. especially young people without, character. without the character and they 've yep. died yeah. and their bodies were laying at the bottom of the elevator. It gave me a lot of compassion for <laughs> for people who are you know trying to navigate that but um, and also perspective for how
0: things can take time sometimes and I don't know if th- it feels like this to you, but sometimes I can feel like, God, wh- what are you doing with me? I have all of this vision and these things that I, I sense you were doing and it feels like none of that has happened, but really it's a father's preemptive intentional preparation for where we're going so that we don't die it, it, in the heights that he's actually called us to.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And especially if there are finances involved. Mm. um, If there are finances involved. Then there's a a level of character that one needs to have. So as not to be like influenced with that level of responsibility. Yeah. Don't I don't know. And or temptation. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. imagine
0: what any kind of limelight stuff comes at you. Yeah. Interesting. I'm just having all these prophetic senses But I don't have any deeper revelation on the interpretation for those dreams except for what we already said. It feels to me like he's just confirming that you're called to business and there's actually a return to be made financially on investment that you've put in spiritually.
1: That's good, yeah. Does that make sense? Totally, absolutely.
0: And I think that's going to continue to unfold. But I love that when you were talking about being at the, that park in San Francisco, which mm-hmm. I know exactly which one it is mm-hmm. now that you're saying, it. I was mm-hmm. trying to vision in my mind and you were right down in the middle of the city. I mean, you, you're you downtown.
1: You're smack in the middle mm-hmm. of San Francisco mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and you're surrounded by restaurants mm-hmm. and you're su- there's a church right across yes, the street. I can see it in my mind's eye. Church, yeah. When I worked in the Tenderloin, we would go, I would go down there almost daily okay. and we would eat in the restaurants around there. Yeah. And the MoMA is just right down the street. Yes. Museum of Modern Art. Yes. And I just think it's so interesting that we were just talking about business. And of course, we're talking about the church, Mm -hmm. but also that piece of artwork that you received. And there's this art museum. Like, I don't know how everything is connected, but your sense of shaking in that moment feels very related to all of these dreams and what you're called to. And all this time that's been preparation. The fact that the financial stuff is coming out a lot right now, again, mm-hmm. to me feels like he's talking about the repayment. He's talking about the actual financial mm-hmm. return now.
1: Yeah. Even the dream I had two days ago that I shared with you was about money being put into something. Like, it was recorded in a ledger, right? But we had not yet received it.
0: mm, mm.
1: But it but was, he was showing
0: you what was on the ledger.
1: He was showing me what was on the ledger. Mm. But it it did not and we had friends who had pointed out, Hey, this money was given to you but you never received it. Mm. But that and, and you know <laughs> again, there's so many threads. There's like this golden thread through everything. I can look back thirty, forty years of dreaming and see this thread going through it, but I don't know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Which is fine. I mean p- what it leads me to where I am right now is a re surrender of it all. Hmm. I, I I have to re surrender it all back to the Lord. To where I have no ownership of it. In that I I I don't I don't have to understand. I don't have to demand that something is mine. I just Have to go downstream and go with the flow. That's so true. Right? He's not showing anything. And the preparation. Yeah.
0: I really sense that what he's preparing you for in the business, prophetic, government, (laughs) 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 intercession realm, (laughs) whatever. All of it, it all of it together. I think all of it together, really. Yeah. Yeah. Has to do also with redeeming the land here because the idea of redemption just keeps Mm. coming back up from that silver that you found under that structure and just the seal and California being, you know, so rich in history with mining Mm -hmm. the minerals in the land. Yeah. Knowing your call to land like I don't know it all feels somehow related to God redeeming what he's put in the land of California
1: which goes all the way back to me visiting here when I was 11 oh, having a heart having for this resonance. for this country not knowing why oh. arriving here when I was 23 and desperately begging the Lord to stay mm-hmm. and then finding and finding myself in California you know I flew right into California and never left <laughs> Um, met my husband and had little California babies. <laughs> 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 and we were, we were in the um, surfboard industry for years. Mm. So we were along the ocean and then the Lord called us out of s- Southern California. And now we found ourselves inland on the land in Northern California mm. in one of the... Literally on the land. Literally on land. the land. Yeah, we have two and a half acres here. And when we moved here, I felt the Lord say, this is, this is your ground, now take it. But I also still don't even know what that means. Mm. Interesting. So we have a so this is another interesting point that ties everything together. Our first daughter was is called Justice, Justice. which was an absolute God moment with that name. And then um, our second daughter is Merrick. And we thought we were having a boy because it's clear that if you have a girl, then you have a boy, right? That's exactly how we were thinking. Every time. Every time. And I never, I never checked to see, you know, I never got the ultrasound um, to see what we were having. And so when she came out, um, we had already chosen the name Merrick, thinking it was a boy. So, so funny that we did that. But we loved the name so much that we kept it. It totally works. And she's a Merrick. Mm -hmm. But listen to this. So when the kids were maybe three or five, three and five respectively, I would say, a friend called me laughing because her little girl had been asking to play with American Justice all day long. I want to play. Heard. With I heard that. Yeah, I want to play with American Justice. I want to play with American Justice. And she was like, "What are you talking about?" Until her daughter slowed it down and said, "Merrick and Justice." And then it hit me that we had named our girls this. And this was definitely, like, the Lord had given us the girls' names. But I had not tied the two together until then. And then I just laughed and shook my head And uh, again. What are you doing, Lord? I mean... Birthing American justice through you. Yeah, yeah okay.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, duh. But hello. I don't even know what that means. I know. It looks I like...
0: Know. And, callings and destinies i mean you can have prophetic words for days but so often even what we see in the prophetic words once they unfold in the natural oftentimes they look different than the imagery in the word right correct and i was just thinking about the ephesian scripture interesting here we are again the masterpiece that we are god's masterpiece That he created in Christ for good works that he prepared beforehand that we
1: would walk in them. Sometimes it takes time and life being lived to understand what that means. And And I think sometimes too the good works prepared
0: beforehand are the works you're walking in even now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm walking in, even now, the stuff that feels mundane, the stuff that feels like, is this really the good works I was called to walk in beforehand? (laughs) Are you sure? Is this it? I mean, my Hollywood (laughs) brain thinks it needs to look, you know, like X, Y, and Z. And I honestly do think that there will be a clearer picture that will manifest at some point. But it's not like, when will I get to the good works you've prepared for me in advance? I think we're walking in. The good works that he's prepared, and it is preparation unto a destiny moment like if we if we think of any story in scripture really Moses's destiny when he was born, no one really knew what his destiny was going to be unto he ended up being raised in Pharaoh's house right he ends up killing this Egyptian dude because he was bullying the Israelite out of passion ends up having to leave the country he was gone another forty years he was eighty. Yeah. When the burning bush happened, that's wild, and that's when God called him, "Hey, I want to deliver these people." Yeah. Can you imagine? It wasn't like he was all his life; he was waiting to be like, "When am I going to deliver Israel? Like, are we going to get there yet, God?" I mean, maybe he did. I, oh, scripture doesn't say he did, but he was shocked. Like, why would you send me to do that? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm out here talk. hiding.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: yet, here is this moment that we look back at where he kills this e- this Egyptian guy. And I can't help but think his destiny was in him and the injustice that he saw in that moment in an immature, undeveloped moment in passion, yeah, he was operating out of the calling and the destiny. Mm-hmm. It was just premature. Mm-hmm. But then the destiny 40 years later after that was to deliver this nation which was far larger far more intense than he ever could have imagined but all of this preparation time unto then all of them all the time up to that was intentional preparation
1: right so good i'm just thinking how he tried to deliver an israelite out of time exactly out of god's plan it became murder and he had to escape but he was being prepared to deliver the israelites and it Big literally picture. rose up in
0: him. Yeah. Like that resonance, like that I'm called. I, I would imagine in that moment, the his call to justice, which is what he did. He delivered. He partnered with God to bring justice over this Egyptian nation. Yes. That was already inside him. And in that moment, it manifested in a way that was, it wasn't time for it yet. His character wasn't ready for it yet.
1: This is so good because even if this podcast never gets heard or gets put on whatever platform you use, I'm getting so much more of a solidified understanding of my life. But I think this is a really good start because that thread, (laughs) that 40-plus-year-old thread is still weaving its way through. (laughs) Dude, you're not
0: the only one. I know. You're not the only one. Okay, I really am going to end it here. Okay. Janine, I love you.
1: I love you too. You're so fun to hang out with.
0: So much for sitting in that chair that's awkwardly placed with that mic that you can't touch. Because... (laughs) That's a wobbly table that you can probably hear. (laughs) My wobbly table. Listen, listeners, pray that I have finances to get soundproofing and new microphones. Amen. amen. (laughs) It's time for an upgrade. Yes. But thank you for giving your time and your wisdom. And
1: there's just more to come this has been a gift, this has been a, a, a just a space and a moment to process so thank you you're so welcome <laughs>